0: Anybody ever heard this before, babies don't come with instructions? You might have thought that when you uh, first got your, your first child if you've, if you've got children. Babies don't come with instructions. No, here's, here's the real truth of the matter. There are instructions. We just don't go to the instructions. You know, a couple of generations, or three or four generations ago, there was this move in, in, in our culture here in the United States to really seek after the psychologists and, and, and those who, who knew about such things, to seek after them and see what they said about raising babies. And so, you know, a lot of people, they, they started not necessarily turning their back on the Bible or on what the church was trying to help them understand about building a great family and raising babies and raising children. is not, not that they turned their back, but it's just that instead of picking up the Bible as much as they started picking up the books you know, at the bookstore. And they started listening to the people on the radio and, and, and these things. And then we discovered, especially this, this, this one guy, especially that, you know, if I called his name, a lot of you, especially those my age and a little bit younger, you, you would recognize the name. I mean, his, his was the name that, that whenever you got into a conversation, you know, a couple, of two or three, four generations ago, maybe, maybe three or four decades ago, and people began talking about raising kids, they would say, oh, he says so-and-so. He says, you need to do this. Or he says, this is the only thing. Here he says, this is the problem that you have. And then we found out, you know, we found out he was a croc. His own kids, when they grew up, they said, they said, our dad's a croc. He didn't do the things he was writing about and telling everybody about. So, you know, what we did, we put it aside his books. And we put aside a lot of other people's books. We thought, well, yeah, they're, they're just as messed up psychologists. They're just as messed up as we are. You know, they don't have any more answers than we do. And so we put aside those, but the problem was we still, we didn't turn back to the source that is the instruction of everything that we need. We didn't turn back to it. And, and, and we're still there today in our culture. That was a great time that we turned away from God and away from God's instruction God's direction. And, and then when we realized we had turned in the wrong direction, Instead of, instead of going back to the right direction, it's like we just kept looking in secular ways and secular places for the instruction. Now, now here's, here's kind of what that's like. It's like looking for a wife. You know, you young guys here. It's like going to a bar looking for a wife, you know? And, and you, you meet a young lady and you talk to her about 30 minutes, you go, whoa, wait a minute, this ain't her. <laughs> you know, and you meet another young lady, you say, oh, wait, that ain't her. And say, well, she's not in this bar, and so you go across the street to the other bar. And you sit there, and you talk to a few, and you realize, no, they're not here. This ain't it. This ain't it. And so then you go down the street, the next block, to another bar, and to another bar. And you keep going to bar, to bar, to bar, as if there is a perfect one out there, you just haven't found the right bar yet. You know, that there is a perfect book out there, or there is a perfect psychologist out there, we just haven't found the right one yet. You know, Oprah will eventually have her, have him or her on their show, you know, and you know, and we'll be able to, to find out what the truth is instead of realizing that we've got the truth that we've always had the truth. And so what we need to do is we need to, we need to realize that look, I, I've tried my own way and I've tried what everybody else and all my buddies and friends have told me about having a great life, about finding uh, you know, a great girlfriend or boyfriend, about building a great marriage, uh, about raising children, uh, uh, about uh, having babies, raising them, or, or about not murdering my teenagers, you know, when anybody got teenagers, you know what I'm talking about, you know, and, and, and about, you know, letting go of them when they become adults themselves and, and giving them space and, 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 you know, and then about being a good grandparent, you know, and, you know, it's not all about spoiling them. Okay, guys, uh, you know, I'm one, so I can tell you, it's not all about spoiling them. And, you know, I, I've listened to what everybody else said, and you know, it ain't working. Come on, is any, it... Anybody, can anybody identify with me this morning? It's not working. What they're telling me is not working. You know, and so why keep listening to them? You know, if what they told you when when you were dating isn't working, why are you listening to them now that you're married? You know, it's like we just keep listening to the ones that we know are telling us the wrong things. We need to get back to the source and we have the the source, not just of information and not just of instruction. We have the rule book. And I don't mean a rule but you know, I hesitate to say that because a lot of people, when you say the rule book, they think, you know, do this, do this, do this. And that's not what I'm talking about. It's what we have this, this rule book. It's like the manual, you know? You know what a manual is? I know you guys don't because you don't like to read those, right? You open a box, and you just start putting it together and hoping it works. And if it doesn't, you still don't read the manual, you, you know, just call your buddy, and say, come on over here, we got to fix this thing, you know, and you just keep working on it until eventually, you know, it either blows up or you get it running, right? And if it blows up, something must have been wrong with the people at the store that sold it to you. So you load it back up, you know, and you take it back to the store and say, this thing ain't working right. You know, we don't, we don't like manuals. We like to figure things out ourselves. But we have no manual for a great marriage, for a great family, raising kids, getting through life, ending up in a great place in retirement. We have a perfect manual because it was written by the one who created life. You know, why in the world would we go, you know, why in the world would we go to someone else when God is the one that created life? He knows how you work. He knows how you're wired. When things don't work, he knows exactly. You know, I, I'm amazed. We just finished a small group with Babe, and Babe is a, uh, he's, he's the car whisperer, you know? I mean, we, we would come on Saturday morning, we'd start talking about cars, and we'd tell, we'd tell him a couple of things, and, and he'd say, oh, it sounds like Saturday He'd just talk all this stuff, and you know, and he's over my head. I don't know what he's talking about. But he knew, it's like, oh, this is what's happening. And, and sometimes it's based on the model of the car or the make of the car and he'd say is it such what kind of car is it? Now? what what year was it and all those things and, and it's like boom here's here's what was going on and you know that's the way God is he knows every make and every model and he knows he knows every year of when you were he knows all those things and he knows how you are wired and when things are going right he knows what's broken inside of you and he knows where to fix it he knows what to tell you to do so it, it, it's ridiculous for us to be going all these other places when we've already got it right here that's the what's that's the first thing I want to tell you this morning. I want to prove to you—you've already got the manual, okay? And I want to show you. And I got—I got so many scriptures we can't read them all, okay? I, th- I knew it was going to scare Beverly to death last night when she saw my slides. We're not going to read all this stuff, but I, I told her we got to read some of this. So, so let's let's jump to uh, uh, First Thessalonians chapter four, and this is something that, that Paul writes, and he says, "Make it your goal to live a quiet life." Let me tell you something. If you're, you're not a parent yet, most of you are out here, right? When you become a parent, this is going to be one of the goals that you will have once you become a parent, is you will hope to have a quiet life eventually, right? I mean, that's one of the things you'll use, you know, and you'll want to help your kids as, as little infants, little baby, you want to help them, please God, help them learn to live a quiet life. And the next thing is very important also if you're a parent, mind your own business. I mean, if you don't tell your kids, right, keep your hands to yourself. Anybody, has anybody ever told your kids that? Keep your hands to your, how about this one? Have you ever been riding down the road and you had to just finally pull over on the side of the road, turn around to your kids and say, now this is the line that divides the back seat and this is your side and that is your side and nobody reads, anybody ever said that besides Pastor exactly and that's what he's saying so mind your own if you want to lead a quiet life mind your own business keep your hands to yourself on your side of the car and then he says work with your own hands now okay this is a this is in in our context we're thinking well we don't really work with our hands so much as just on a keyboard or something a lot of people you don't feel like you really work with your hands but here's what he's saying he's saying do your own work Work it out with your own hands. Don't depend on someone else's hands to do your work. Mind your own business so that you can do the work that you're supposed to do. Then people who are not Christians will respect the way you live and you will not need to depend on others. Boy, is that a lesson that needs to be taught today in our society? Is a mind your own business so you can do your work. So you can have a great life and everybody can say wow look at that person they work and they and they earn and they make and they've got a great life because they've done it and they're not just stealing it from somebody else or getting it from somebody else or relying upon someone else that is a boy that is a lesson that needs to be learned today john the baptist was asked one day well, what do we need to do and john the baptist says let, let me think of what we need to do right here this is a uh, golden book of luke chapter 3. Verse 11, he says, whoever has two shirts should share with the person who doesn't have any. Whoever has food should share it too. Parents, listen, I mean, that's the lesson you, wanna, you need to teach, right? You need to teach your kids about sharing, especially if they're an only child, okay? If, if they're not an only child, if, they, if there are five or six kids in your family, you almost don't have to teach them about sharing. They're gonna learn it one way or the other. I mean, you know, they're gonna get beat up or something if they don't learn to share. But they're a, man, if they're, a, if they're an only child, they definitely have to learn this. But here's the problem in our society today. We didn't learn this growing up anymore. We're not teaching this growing up anymore. That if we have too much, we should look for somebody that we can share with. That's the most foreign thing from our mind. Today, I mean, if we got too much, what do we do? We find somewhere to stick the extra so that we can use it later for ourselves, right? We're not even thinking about somebody else that's hurting. And where does this need to be taught? Not when they're teenagers. Not when they're 10 years old or 9 years old from their infancy, teaching them to share and to understand sharing. And then I think also back to, uh, back to some of the writings of, uh, of Paul. This is 2 Thessalonians. He says, while we were with you, we gave this order. If anyone doesn't want to work, he shouldn't eat. Oh, man. I thought I'd give a bigger amen to that. That needs to be taught in our society today. And you know what? This must have really been a problem in Thessalonica because Remember a couple of minutes ago, he was talking about this, the very first scripture I gave you. He was talking about this. Work with your own hands and don't be dependent on anybody around you or the government, those kind of things. That's what he's saying. And now he's, he's saying it again. But he's saying, when we were with you, we told you. So three times he told them in Thessalonica. It must have really been a problem. It must have had a lot of lazy people in Thessalonica, right? Because they, hey, he kept saying it. But if anyone doesn't want to work, he shouldn't eat. I mean, we need to teach our kids that. You know, obviously age-based, age-appropriate, right? But they need to understand that if you're not part of the effort, then you can't be part of the blessing when it's over. But that's not the way, that's not the way we do it in our society today. You know, we say, okay, you don't have to, and then we just step on in and we give it to them anyway. And then, we, then what do we do is we, we, we raise children who, who feel like they're entitled to something, whether they showed up for work or not. You know, I'm entitled to this, you know, whether I showed up to do anything or not. And the reason is because we're not training them from the beginning. Let me give you one more of these. And this is also uh, Paul, and he's writing to Timothy. And he says, honor widows, and I I just got to throw this at you real quick. I really want to stop here and preach, but I don't have time because that's not the purpose. Honor widows who are really widows, but if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents. Wow, repay their parents. You know that when you, you're going to get to an age one day, if you're not already there, that it is time for you to start repaying your parents for all that they have done for you. And I'm not talking about money, but yeah, maybe even some money sometimes. Help them with a, with a bill or an expense that they have. But it's time for you to start turning back around and saying, thank you, dad. Thank you, mom, for all that you've done. And for this is good and acceptable for God. If any believing man or woman has a widow in their family, if he has widows, let them relieve them and do not let the church be burdened that it may relieve those who are really widows or sometimes they're called widows indeed or indeed widows, those who are truly widows. There, there's, there's some awesome teaching here that needs to be taught in our families. And listen, parents, when you grow up one day, unless you want, them, want you know, your kids stick you in a nursing home so, you know, and forget about you there, I mean, you need to be teaching this kind of stuff to them. But the way to teach them is not to just tell them, it's to show them how do do you treat your parents? Come on, listen, the way you treat your parents is probably the way your kids are gonna treat you and it goes and goes and goes. Look at all the instruction here. Look at the manual here. And so even in just these first four scriptures, no doubt some of you thought, oh man, you know, I hadn't really been doing that. And I'm not meaning just the teaching part to your kids, but you're not living it. Has it already hit you yet in your heart? Oh, that one stung, pastor. Why did you have to bring that one one up today? Has it it bothered you yet? It needs to be bothering you. And look at all that is there. And so if something is broke and something's not working, the manual here is already telling you. But let me take you to the book of Proverbs. Listen, Listen. I just listed a whole bunch of them. We're only going to read a few, one of these on each screen. On each screen, but I, I wanted you to see the multitude of wisdom that is there for families. The first one. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. This is uh, chapter one, verse eight and ten, eight nine and ten. forsake do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. My son, is sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. What he's saying here is, if you listen to your parents, it, it is it is as though you will be you will just be adorned people will see a beauty inside of you you know have you ever heard anybody say that say look at those kids they were raised right you can tell look at the look at the honesty that is there look at look at the joy that is there you can tell those kids were raised in a good home it is a beauty that is hung about you when you are raised right and you and you obey and you 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 obey and you heed to those things it is a beauty about you people people will will brag on you but and bragging on you, they're also bragging on the parents that did the right job there. Uh, listen, going to the next screen, we'd we'll hurry here. I just want to show you a few things. This next one, it, the top one, it, it, it's one of my favorite proverbs. There is a beautiful woman who lacks discretion is like a gold ring in a pig's snout. <laughs> did you know that was in the scripture? I mean, honestly, come on. I know some of you, some of you really, really religious people, you want to raise your hand, and say, "Yeah, I knew that was there." But did you really know that was in the scripture? A beautiful woman who lacks discretion is like a gold ring in a pig's snout. You know what that means, don't you? It means you can dress it up all you want to, but if it's still a pig, on the inside it's still a pig. You know what it means to us? It means you can dress your 12-year-old daughter like she's an 18-year-old girl. But she's still that 12-year-old daughter that's gonna be looked at by the rest of the world as an 18 year old and you're, put, you're setting her up for a big, huge, ugly fall. It means you can dress her up and you can call her sexy and tell her she's sexy until, uh, until, until the pigs and the cows both come home. You can tell her that and you can tell her she's sexy but what you're doing is you're raising a, a kid without discretion that does not understand that there's one place, there is one place to be sexy. And that is in the bedroom with your own spouse. And that is the only place to ever be sexy. But what we've got today is we've got a generation of people, parents, who are raising their kids. Taking the pictures of them and telling their kids, oh, you look really sexy in this one. Sexy? I've never told my kids they look sexy. If my parents had told me I look sexy, I'd have probably thrown up right then. (laughs) I, I, I... it's not even proper. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't. it's one of those things that just doesn't compute in my brain, but we're seeing it. And all we're doing, and I'm not, I'm not calling our kids pigs, but we're raising them to act like pigs. Just dressing it up. Oh, you're sexy. And dig it in and just and eat everything up and just be devoured and not consider what the consequences are of our actions. Yeah, skip on to the next script. are a bunch of... Theirs bunch more right there right chapter 13 verse 11 wealth gain hastily will dwindle but whoever gathers little by little will increase it this is the day of get rich quick schemes you would think after several million people have been busted have been broke because of a get rich quick scheme that the rest of us would wise up but we're still going bar to bar you know, we hadn't found it yet. Must be in the next bar across the street, down the block. It's, it's somewhere out there. There's a place to get rich in a hurry. But wealth gained hastily will dwindle. I mean, have you, you seen the reports? These people are winning the lotteries. You know, in just a few years, they're broke again. Because we, we don't know how to handle it. I guess that's why God hasn't let David win the Publishers Clearinghouse sweepstakes, even though she sent in all those things. And she knows we, can, God knows we can't handle it. You know, I'm like, God, let us prove to you we can. You know, right? <laughs> but we can't, we really can't handle that. We, we need to learn because it is gathering little by little that increases. Every bit of wisdom out there that is true wisdom will tell you that is the way to get yourself to peace and financial security. It's not by some big huge amount coming in, but by being disciplined about. You see, that's a bad word these days, isn't it? We don't like discipline. We don't like discipline. I gotta I got hurry. Next, next screen, uh, uh, verse uh, 15, chapter 12. Mockers are those who don't like to listen is basically what I say. Mockers cr- resent correction so they avoid the wise. This is a big deal in, in, in our society today. And even, and I could say especially in church. I could say even in church. You know why I believe? One of the reasons God hasn't called me, us, but I can say personally, I can tell you personally, one of the reasons God hasn't called me personally to just reach religious people is because religious people don't need help. I mean, if they do, they just don't admit it. They don't need help. They got it all figured out. They don't need a wise counsel. They've already, you know, their buddy who, you know, just... Messed up last week. He told me how to fix this. You know, my buddy who's divorced. He told me how to fix my marriage. That's going to work out really good, isn't it? You know, we don't need wise counsel. But what does it say? It doesn't just say. It. it says they avoid the wise. Okay, here's here's the thing. Let me let me see if I can say this really quick and get this to you. Because there's a whole lot of wisdom right here, and I just don't have time to share all of it. With you. That's why you need to go home and get to all these scriptures and read them. And it's going to be easy for you to do that because you can go to that web page and all of these scriptures that I've got for you here in Proverbs that are listed on that on that page. Okay. So go find that if you don't have a smartphone with you right now. Because here's here's the question for you. The last major decision you made in your life, did you go seek wise counsel about it? If I had you stand up right now, so everybody that didn't seek wise counsel, if we made that last decision sit down, I bet there'd be 90% or more of us that would sit down and say, no, we didn't seek, we'd have to say we didn't seek any wise counsel. I don't mean your buddy. I mean somebody who knows here because here's the truth, okay? Now this is I believe this is tweetable, okay? I believe this is a truth that is tweetable, you, you, but you need to get this one, okay? You don't know what you don't know. Do you, you ever realize that? You don't know what you don't know. You see, I've got, I've got, I've got like three mentor confidants like in, in my life. And one of them is, is just, he's almost like, you know, on a scale of one to 10, he's like an 11 in leadership. And man, he can talk to me about leadership and he can just challenge me in leadership. Now I've got another friend and he's, he's a friend. He's a confidant. He's a friend. He, he's just, you know, whatever I'm trying, he's the encourager. He's the one to tell me, yes, yes, you can do it and all that. And then I've got this other guy. He's the, he's the real, the pragmatic one. The one that, well, let's figure this out. Let's, let's look at this realistically and let's do this and this and this. And I've got these three mentor, confidants, friends, close guys that I go to. And you know, And here's the thing is I only go to my confidant friend, the one that's the friend who who has always encouraged me. I only go to him when I am down and I am low. But when I'm making a decision, I don't go to him because he's going to tell me what I want to hear. I go to the guy who's the 11 on the leadership scale or the guy who's very pragmatic and works out because you know what? Most of the time, those are the two who are going to tell me not what I want to hear. They're going to tell me what I need to hear. And if you, and when you're making decisions, if you're not going to people like that. You're making the wrong decisions, I guarantee you. And some of you are probably saying, well, I don't have anybody like that in my life. Exactly, you know why? Because we avoid the wise in this day and age. We don't want the wise. We want the guys we hang out with that, that really like us. You know, we, we want the confidence that are our friends that tell us what we want to hear. You know, we don't want, we don't want the wise. We don't want someone older than us who, who might know a little something that we don't know, but you don't know what you don't know. That's why you need those who know what you don't know and they're unable to give you wisdom that you don't have to hurry. I really gotta hurry. I didn't know I was gonna preach all this this stuff. uh, Chapter 20, verse 19, a gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid anyone who talks too much. Right? That's a duh, isn't it, right? I've heard it said this way. He who gossips to you will gossip of you. And so, you know, you got one a friend that talks too much, I mean, avoid, don't tell them your secrets. This is a family thing. Listen, family. You know, you don't want your family secrets getting out anymore. You don't want, you know, the stuff that you, you're dealing with. You know, then quit talking to the people that talk so much. Avoid those people. And uh, uh, I think I got one more. Yeah, verse, uh, chapter 24, verse 3 through 4. By wisdom, house is built, not just with nails and boards and dry, dry, drywall. By wisdom, a house is built and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled uh, filled with rare and beautiful treasures. When you understand that, it's by wisdom, it's by knowledge, it's by these things, these intangible things that a true home is built. It's not about the stuff it's not about the, the, the number of TVs you have in your home. It's not about how many, how many garages you have in the basement. It's not about the stuff. It's about these things. These are the things that truly build a home. Now, see, I've just gone over just a few of those that are there. And there's many more on each page. And there's many more that I didn't bring to you today. The Bible is full of instruction and manual. And you know why you need it? I, I, I know you're thinking, okay, yeah, I need that because, yeah, I'm having problems here. or I'm having, and, so, and so, see, this is what we do. We're reactive. We have a problem and then we go dust off the Bible and try to find some direction, right? We're reactive. Instead of being proactive. Instead of saying, instead of saying I don't want to just recover from a problem. I'd rather stay out of the problem. Instead of being reactive, be proactive. And, and not say, because you know, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago, when we were talking about this series. I said to you guys here, and I know we've got some singles scattered, but, but you singles that are here, you, know, you get a blessing here. Listen to this stuff because we've all messed up and we're reacting, we're trying to fix it. Those of you who aren't married yet, those of you who don't have kids yet, those of you who are still, still putting it all together, I mean, listen and be proactive and say, you know, look around you and say, yeah, I see all these problems in marriages. I see all these problems in, in raising kids and say, I don't want to have those problems. And so instead of waiting till you've got the problem, then go and dig the Bible out and see what the Bible says about fixing it. Get the Bible inside of you to understand what's happening so that you can be proactive, you can keep those things from happening. Because if you haven't, if you haven't yet messed up your kids, you're going to. You got to mess them up. You got to mess up your marriage. You got to mess up your finances. And make this decision that that hasn't worked. The wisdom of my buddies hasn't worked. The wisdom of the people who tell me what I want to hear hasn't worked. The wisdom of the world hasn't worked. The wisdom on the Oprah Winfrey show has not worked. The wisdom out of the last 10 books that I bought on the subject has not worked. I need the manual. And here's really why you need the manual. Is because you don't have a problem coming one day if you have a if you have a family you have a problem right now you are under attack and there are three big attacks i'm going to throw at you real quick before we close this sermon here they are three dangers facing the american christian family secularism privatism pluralism secularism (laughs) is is the absence of spirituality or religion or god in the context of, of whatever part of life you're talking about. Like a, 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 a secular relationship is a relationship that is devoid or it has no context of spirituality or Christianity or, or God or anything. Meaning that it is, it, it is all about everything except Christianity or faith or the Bible or God, it's secularism. And, and here's where we really are. We're not in danger at this point of losing our ability to have faith in god we're not we're not in danger of that we can all hold our faith in God even even though it seems like every bit of faith is under attack in this country yet still we still have that we can hold our faith in God, but we are losing the context of God in our culture that's the problem is our culture is becoming secular meaning that and and, and if you if you have any ideas or understanding of history, and you look back to when this nation was founded, you understand that, cult, that, that culture was not secular. The men and, and the women who fought and died and who, 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 who put this country together and, and came, came from uh, across the big pond to establish this country, the things they wrote, we see, they were not secular. Remember continuum, the series that we just did. Everything is connected. That they were not secular. God came up all the time, and maybe they didn't get it right all the time. I mean, I, my theology isn't perfect. Theirs wasn't perfect, but God was in their everyday lives. It was part of it. But this this world is telling us no, no, no. God is not supposed to be part because part of culture because of privatism. That, that's the next step from secularism. That's where we're at right now too. Privatism. Meaning that <laughs> you separate your public and private lives. That doesn't work. Continuum. It's all one thing. You can't have a public and a private life. Everything. Oh What I do in my private, yes, what you do in your private is your own business, but it impacts every part of your life. Now, they're not telling us <coughs> really at this point <coughs> that we can't have God at all. But what they're telling us is, but that's a private thing. Privatism, what it is saying to us, it is saying that that's your own personal opinion or taste. It has nothing to do with reality. It has nothing to do with, with the truth, you know, what really is truth. But if there is truth, think about this. If there is truth, I mean, at this point right now, I don't, I'm not even telling you there is, but if there is truth, if there is truth, then we do not have the option of believing what we want to believe. If there is truth, we, sh- we should only believe what is the truth. And that's why religion for me is not just a, a private uh, exercise in spirituality sitting around in a room, you know, mm, or whatever. You know, that's, that's not what religion, religion is a search for the truth. And, and if, if what the Bible says is true, then we don't have the option of believing anything we want to believe. We don't have the option of someone coming to us and say, but the Bible says it. Say, well, I know that's, but you know, I just feel in my heart. You don't have that option. If there is truth, you don't have the option of saying, but I follow after what I feel is in my heart. Not if there is truth. You don't have that option. And the second, the the third step on with that is the pluralism. Now listen, there have always been many religions, many faiths, many attitudes and many ideas. There have always been those. But whereas in the past, whereas in the past, it's like uh, 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 people would look at you and they would gauge your faith or your church or your religion based on what you said was truth. They would, they would, base, they would, they would judge your religion or judge your, your faith or judge your Christianity based on what you said was truth. Today, a particular faith, my faith is wrong if I say there is any truth. It, it's, it used to be that, that we would talk about whether this was true or this was true. This, but today, a faith is wrong if it has any truth. Here's, here's why this is important. Is This is the world your kids are growing up in today. This is the world your kids are going to grow up in. And, and, and it's not going to get better unless there is a revival and a turning back and if we're in the last days, I don't know that we see much more much revival turning back from where we're at and what's going on right now. This is what they're facing. So you know what? If you want to have an awesome family, you better gird up your loins. You better strap on your sword, because the enemy has been fighting a long time to get this country to this place, to get our, our culture and society to this place. You're under attack. And the big danger, the biggest danger of all of those is when we do not acknowledge that we're under attack and we continue to live as if everything's gonna be okay. You know, I, there's something happened. I, I was just about to, to ask some of you to come, come to the front. But you know, we, we live our lives with such Pollyanna attitudes and rose-colored glasses like, everything's all right, pastor. Don't get upset. Have you seen the videos on YouTube? Have you seen little kids, four little boys kneeling against the floor and a terrorist was walking along behind them pulling the trigger at their head? Have you seen? And and listen, I I don't talk about these things unless I check them out and I, I... I asked some people to make sure, you know, these aren't just made up stuff. And, and this stuff is happening. The kids being beheaded. Christian kids being beheaded. Have you seen this? He said, well, the pastor, that's in another country. What does that got to do with anything? What does that have to do with anything? And, and, and so what do we do is we just, we, uh, we, oh, that's bad. Just turn the TV off and let's go back to our pot roast. And everything's okay. And everything's wonderful. And while we sleep yes sleep while we sleep the enemy continues to creep in and creep in and creep in and creep in and before we realize that we have been overtaken we're already slaves the reason you need the Bible in your family is because you're under attack Gird up your loins, strap on the sword. What is the sword? Sword is the sword of the spirit. The Bible is also the sword. It is a, it is a sharp two-edged sword that divides. It cuts. It's, it, it divides. It says, no, this is wrong. This is right. Hang on to this. It divides and it cuts asunder and it tears apart and it, and it pulls apart. And it says, this is what's important. This is what you, that's why you need the Bible to figure out what's right. Because this world is telling you all kinds of things are right. Anything you believe that that's right. Just hold it to yourself, but it's right. That's why you need the Bible. You need to fight. Let me explain to you what one thing is before i invite before i invite some of you down i call a i sometimes use this phrase spiritual head of household the man is the head of the house but when there is not a christian man in the house then somebody else is the spiritual head of the household many times if the dad the husband is not it's the wife it's the mother but in this day and age mom and dad A lot of times aren't Christians either and so it's somebody your age that even though you're living in a house with a mom and dad maybe even older brothers and older sisters a couple uncles aunts grandma or whoever but you're the only Christian in the house you are the spiritual head of that house you are the only one praying you're the only one seeking God you're the only one saying God it's falling apart and I don't know what to do help us God you're the only one doing that you're the spiritual head of the house there's a spiritual head of each house it is, it is God's will, and I'm gonna talk about this next week, it is God's will for it to be, that, for it to be this perfect way, and, and that's what he blesses, but even when, he, even when that doesn't happen, he still blesses when one steps into that place and says, my dad isn't a Christian, my husband isn't a Christian, but I'm gonna take on the mantle of the spiritual head of the house until he becomes a Christian. If you're a spiritual head of the house, I want to invite you, you don't have to do this, but I want to invite you because I and the prayer team wanna pray with you. If you're the spiritual head of the house, I wanna invite you, if you will, stand and come to the front with me, if you will. Come on, stand. Everyone stand, please, with me. But I wanna invite all the spiritual heads of the house to come to the front. Come to the front and join me, if you will. Many of you are gonna belong right here, those first four rows right there. Now, when y'all pause like that, y'all worry me just a little bit. I was worried nobody's coming this morning and you weren't worried about your families. But this is awesome. This is exciting. Let me tell you something I do at Father's Day every year, if I can get it out of my pocket, is always give a little bottle of oil to the dads. If you're not a dad, but you're the spiritual head of the household, I want you to have one of these. There's There's some significant symbolism to this. This represents so many things in scripture. It's like, man, it's a whole sermon series. Just oil, what oil symbolizes in scripture. It's a whole sermon series. I can't tell you all that, but when you take a little bit of it and you you touch something, your kids are having a hard time sleeping at night because of bad dreams. You take a little bit of that and maybe touch their pillow or touch their bed and, and say, God, I mark this as a peaceful place for my child to rest every night. You know when when your teenage daughter is uh, being nearly stalked by a former boyfriend, you're worried about her driving by herself home from work at night, where or wherever it is she has to be. You take this and you go out and you and you touch that with that and say, God. As priest of this home, as spiritual head of this house, I mark this car as a safe place. Encamp your angels roundabout. I mark it as a safe place for her to be. T- That's what this is about. And if you don't have one of these, prayer team members can help you find them. Okay, you just ask them for one. If you don't don't have one of these, who doesn't have one? Wants this one.